Hello and welcome to the Rethink Energy weekly podcast where the Rethink Energy team talks about technology behind energy news. I'm uh, Rethink CEO Peter White. We've got with us today our uh, Rethink Energy editor, Harry Morgan. Hi, Peter. Solar analyst, Andres Wontanar. Hello there. And our new analysts, Bogdan Avramuta and Connor Watts. Hello. Hello there. Okay. So, uh, on the show today, uh, we're going to look at a new report we've put out, um, which is on um, natural gas um, uh, required demand across the world. Um, and we're going to look at the effects the Russian war is going to have on that and how that's going to affect natural gas prices in the near and short and, and medium term. We're also looking at car sales, uh, particularly in Italy, where um, electric vehicle sales have slowed this month. And we're going to look into the power cuts in China and try and see uh, what's happening with those. So we're going to start with Bogdan. How did we come up with those gas numbers? And what do you think it will mean for prices going forwards? Yes, well, the, the biggest takeaway of the report is um, that we believe that uh, get the gas prices will go down starting 2024. And that's mostly because we basically taken into account all the um, promises and um, kind of adjusted attitudes of the top European economies. Um, and they all point out one thing, to, to get away from reliance on Russian natural gas or natural gas in general. Germany is signing deals with uh, Canada for a lot of um, hydrogen imports. France is, is trying to, to plug the gap uh, with uh, nuclear energy, among other things. Uh, so generally, everybody's trying to transition away from natural gas towards renewables. And uh, thus, we believe that demand will fall and the prices will settle. Okay. Um, so uh, is it true, uh, I think one of the other stories had this this week, that the French increase in uh, electricity power prices based on increased use of gas is a fraction of uh, the UK's? Yeah, I, that was a story for me when we're talking about the nationalisation. I mean, there's several reasons for that in France. Um, France, obviously, less exposed to natural gas uh, purely due to the fact that they, they use less of it. They're... Um, their energy mix is very nuclear heavy at the moment anyway. Yeah, it's about 18% compared to currently ours is around 45. Yeah, exactly. And and the fact that they've got a nationalized energy sector means that yeah, the the government have got more control over over those power prices. I uh, mean, yeah, for the average French person bills have only risen by around 4% this year. I mean, in the UK we're looking at I think it's potentially going to be 200% by the time we reach January. So, I mean, it, it, that's insane. Effectively, they've interfered with the auction because they're basically saying that, that uh, EDF will give nuclear energy away at, at the same price as it was doing a, a couple of years ago, rather than charge the prices that natural gas is going to charge. Um, so, in in effect, they're uh, they're uh, because they have control of uh, EDF, they're able to do that. Um, it's a shame that we can't do something similar here, or that Germany can't do something similar. It's been very interesting in the UK actually to see this week because there's been obviously there's a lot of discussion at the moment around how we're going to bring energy bills down um, and the way that they're and I've, I've seen two opposing articles actually actually this morning um, focusing on one saying that we need more fracking in the UK or we need to bring fracking um, uh, for sort of offshore offshore gas essentially. Um, it's such a knee jerk reaction. It's dreadful. Exactly. So it's very much increasing it from the supply side rather than decreasing it from the demand side, which is what they have to do. I think decreasing it from the demand side. Obviously, you've got your installation measures, but if you look at power generation and the um, 
prices agreed from offshore wind, which is famously quite an expensive generation, right? Um, offshore wind strike prices are now nine times lower than what's being offered by, nat- uh, by uh, natural gas on the power market in the UK. So the fact that we've got um, people campaigning for more natural gas is, to me, just uh, mind-blowing. I don't, and I don't understand how people can see natural gas being, or new natural gas being part of the future. It's like being on Stranger Things in the... In the upside down world, have you have you seen that thing on Netflix? Yeah. Stranger Things, it's it's absolutely ludicrous. Um, what I noticed, I'm sorry, Bogdan, we're not really writing about your report, talking about your report at the moment. But what I noticed yesterday, I went through the power prices, uh, I went through the pa- pa- uh, the gas use in the UK market, and seeing over the last year, it's gone from about thirty three percent to about forty five percent. So they've been increasing. Gas usage at an incredible rate. I mean, who, who's responsible for that? I mean, why, why is it simply all the energy companies buy have bought gas and have, uh, are now stuck with it, or or is it simply because wind's not pre- performing well enough? Well, I, th- I think one of the problems is um, is actually home heating. That's probably the hardest um, sector to shift away from natural gas simply because we don't have. Well, homes that use uh, gas for for heating, they don't have different infrastructures in place. Uh, definitely true. But if we were to able to eliminate it from the grid, then there would be enough gas to go round. Um, all right, it would still be at a an auction price that's very high, um, but there would be enough gas to go round. It would be at the um, at the uh, 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 at the spot market price, but it still there would be a lot more gas to go around. Anyway, so um, what Bogdan's done is he's written a report. Um, we've taken um, our normal top 21 countries uh, by electricity demand, and we've looked at just um, four uses of gas. We've looked at um, the um, uh, home heat and how that's changing and transitioning over the years. We've looked at... Um, at use in industry in things like cement and steel um, we've looked at um, the um, uh, generation of electricity and and we've just recalculated those based on the statements that the countries have made the various European countries have made like uh, no not just Europe all, all, all of the countries including China have made and we've looked at how they're going to try and mitigate um, uh, uh, Russian gas partly by replacing it with somebody else's gas, but partly by moving off it. Um, and what, what um, we came up with is that, that they seem to be heading for a kind of 2024 um, price collapse. Um, and, and, and that's been contrary to what we've been thinking. We thought the demand was, um, was uh, baked in and, and we were unable to avoid it. Uh, and, and all the things Bogdan said, like, like uh, keeping coal on for longer, uh, keeping uh, obsolete nuclear plants running longer if they can get a safety certificate, um, and buying gas from alternative sources, and then just de-emphasising it um, in, the, uh, in the heating market um, by changing policy. They, all of these things are starting to happen. And, and we calculate that within two years that um, that gas price will collapse. I wonder if all the people paying really high prices for both gas and electricity will get a reduction in their prices in two years. Well, we certainly hope so from the consumer side. It's never happened before, Bob. It's never happened before. And we, well, they, just, they just bake in these increases. You know, off-gem can't go backwards in, uh, in price hikes 
Uh, someone from Off Gym, call us, tell us. Uh, why have you never gone backwards in prices? Why is it always an increase, limiting the increase? Um, and I think, Harry, you, your, your view is because um, the markets are... Uh, uh, I mean, Harry came up with this insane idea this week that we should nationalise um, parts of the energy market. But he's right. It's, it's this desire to give money to shareholders from the poor man in the street that is driving um, these massive energy prices. The, the, the amount of gas that is no longer available from Russia does not warrant the price increases we've seen. It just doesn't. I thought I was being clever moving to Australia because we export gas, but then I realised that we sell it all at global market prices, including to Australian consumers. So that was rather disappointing. I think I read an article a few months ago suggesting that Australia gets uh, higher prices than the export, uh, than the stuff it exports on contract. I could believe that, yeah. I think I had something like Which, that. Which um, was to the chagrin of a lot of Australian uh, citizens. In, I think in general, I just, I, all I would say in terms of nationalisation is I think we've seen this before and we need the energy industry and especially people in the energy industry who have been operating the same business for 20, 30, 40, even to, up to 100 years. We've seen these companies, when, they, when, they're, when, they're, st- when they're stuck for, 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 uh, for funding, they're looking for bailouts, right? And when they're... <laughs> <laughs> and when and suddenly when they've got a wealth of funding coming in, then they're not going to invest in the stuff that the, the people who have given them yeah. the bailouts um, have asked them to invest in. So they're not they're not investing in reducing customer bills. They're not investing in clean energy. They're not investing in energy security. I mean, Exxon Mobil, for example, in the US, um, um, over the past few years, has paid its CEO more than it's invested in clean energy um, in, in, a, in a given year. So I think that I think is I mean it's just pretty telling. And I don't think that I think basically if you're going to have the the benefits from the government or, or the government bailing you out, like we're seeing with companies like Bulb or the, all these other energy suppliers that are seeing um, a, a massive amount of bailout in the UK. If we see if they if they can have that, then they need to be able to they need to follow the government's direction as well. And I don't really see a way around that other than part nationalisation. I think on the retail side of things, it's a great place to start because these aren't companies that are innovating at all, really. So you don't necessarily need the streamlined processes of a privatisation. Yeah, I would, I would, I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to allow an argument in favour of nationalisation to go unchallenged uh, uh, because it's bit, we're getting very political. But policy um, from government... Um, can change the direction of um, of these habits. The, the 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 big cynics in all this is the investment community who continue to value oil companies on a failed basis. By 2031, people will not be able to sell oil. It's going to the the electric vehicle market is going to overtake it. There's going to be a collapse, a massive collapse in the oil price that's sustained, and. Uh, here we are, uh, gleefully um, valuing the companies based on their asset base um, at, a, at an insanely high price. Once that price falls, the asset base will not be able to sustain its debts and it will collapse. And we know that this is going to happen. Investors don't care about anything that's not on a two-year horizon. So they continue to and, – and all the, the um, stockbroking firms, all the market-making firms are all continuing to value oil companies based on assets times the oil price. But they are going to die and they are not worth it. Um, and they need a new valuation process. And it's just a cynical way of, of churning money and stocks and shares. I was gonna. I was gonna say that the report that Bogdan wrote this week sort of it it brings about sort of the ar- one of our archive reports on stranded assets in natural gas. And I mean, obviously at the moment 
if anyway, that that looked at sort of the price of solar plus storage plus natural gas and when that would sort of when that would be undercut. And I think one thing we will see is obviously solar plus storage is way cheaper than natural gas at the moment, use of power generation. But this this weird assumption and this sort of force majeure really, it's, it's not really the gas generator's fault that is so expensive. But I think once the market settles, as Bogdan's outlined from 2024 onwards, and the dust settles and we suddenly realise, oh, actually, even in a normal scenario, solar plus storage is cheaper than natural gas. I think that's when these, and, and even existing natural gas plants, but compared to a new solar plant, that's when suddenly the market for natural gas collapses. And that's when suddenly there's this huge wealth of stranded assets. And these companies that are reaping the rewards now are going to go whinging back to their governments and playing for bailouts again. Uh, it's just going to be an endless cycle of that, really. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be delightful when that happens to both the fracking community in America and Russia. Um, but um, that's going to happen last. I mean, the, they'll be the last men standing. Well, sorry, on the note of, of investment, I just want to make one more, one more um, comment. Well, it's more of a question, really. Um, because of the recent investment in renewables to try to get away from gas, are those costs basically being brought to the customer? That's why we're seeing the, the increased energy bills. Is that Can we boil down the math to that? Is that a fair assumption? Everybody's trying to move away from gas and is investing in deals related to renewable energies. Obviously, money needs to be generated, so the past. I, I don't costs. think the word everybody can be applied here. I think what you've got to understand is that uh, there is no everybody in the investment community. There are investors who invest in infrastructure um, on a good deal that, can, that goes into the future 25 years in, with solar and wind, and they're very happy with those investments. However, there are um, more opportunistic investors who love the price spikes of the oil market and, uh, and the gas market and they've uh, and some energy companies who have who have proliferated the use of gas uh, uh, you know cheap gas it's going to be cheap forever that was the uh, you know it's a great interim fuel to get off off coal so you look at the coal uh, the amount of coal used in Europe it's tiny compared to gas now except in a couple of couple of two or three countries and gas has been on the rise for three four five years unchallenged so people are investing in gas infrastructure as well um, they seem to be winning at the moment um, and now the, the governments are all going to act to shift the axis so that they're not winning anymore and that we don't think they can change the turn the ship around in less than a couple of years but we don't think that gas prices will stay high for 10 years we actually did think that uh, until Bogdan did his paper but when we added up all the numbers that no longer makes sense there are there is enough uh, wiggle room for us to get off gas um, and then there aren't these huge price spikes to make money from, and then investors will settle back into backing solar and wind. Yeah, that, that makes sense. What I was referring to is just energy companies and the energy bills that the consumers are facing with and the fact that they need to buy the energy from renewable sources, and that's why the, the energy bills are so high. I mean, Harry and I were talking about this yesterday. There is a certain amount of resistance from the grids to allow onto their grids renewable energy sources which are intermittent. There is a similar resistance to using batteries to, to calm that intermittency in Europe. And th there's a belief um, that, that um, Europe is a, a, is, is a series of almost 30 states that can swap uh, energy throughout a day and that the answer to the problem is not renewables but it's transmission. 
and that that you know when Germany doesn't have enough energy, it can borrow some from Norway. When Norway doesn't have enough energy, it can borrow some from Spain, and they can both give it back later in the evening. And that that's better than than installing storage. But storage is the friend of uh, intermittent renewables, and we need a storage revolution in Europe. It's not happening. It's happening in America. It's happening in China. It's not happening here. I'm going to change the subject because we we were baffled, weren't we, Connor? Uh, we looked at, um, at, at car sales in Italy, and not only as uh, the car market sort of collapsing there, but so are electric vehicle sales. And so you wrote a piece. How far did we get in explaining that? Yes, exactly. The uh, car market in most of Europe, in the five major economies of Europe, Germany, France, the UK, Spain and Italy, car sales are between 10 and 20% fallen on the recovery of last year from COVID. And Italy is the only country where electric vehicles and plug-in vehicles are also below that level from last year, with specifically battery electric vehicles falling the same amount as the economy, which would imply that there's not been a change in sentiment over last year based on user preference. But you, so you're suggesting this is ba- this is simply a recession. It's a well, yes, but it's also a relatively deep one for Italy, and at least in most recessions, the sale of luxury goods of vehicles that EVs currently maintain within the market shouldn't be as impacted. How much to, it's, I mean, has Italy maintained its subsidies on EVs? Uh, I mean, I know Germany, and I know the UK's killed it, so, and Germany's cut, cut its uh, subsidies. Germany is looking to cut them at the start of 2023, I believe. There was an announcement uh, last month, wasn't there? Just when America's finally going to subsidise them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Italy, I believe, has maintained their subsidies. I mean, Italy was a special case. It it, it, it was very sluggish. It's always ploughed its own furrow in in, in some policy areas, uh, energy, uh, broadband, uh, all sorts of technology areas where there's... Um, it's like it's the only country in Europe where there's no cable TV um, because they, they simply... The government didn't think it was a good idea to give cable TV licences out. Um, so it's always... And, and, it, and it didn't like the idea of farmland ever being turned into solar panels. So until 2018 it had a law against it um which it lifted but but the practice hasn't really picked up yet in, in at full speed and uh, and fiat being the um the dominant uh, car maker in uh, in italy um did not embrace uh embraced mild hybrids but not plug-in hybrids or battery electric vehicles until two years ago and and now it's um it's uh, 500e it's one of the best-selling cars in europe but maybe it's a simple matter that the French and the Germans are buying all the 500Es up and the Italians can't afford them in the recession. So they're just waiting. I mean, I think this, you know, we, we'll see as the months roll out in this year whether Italy comes back into line in terms of EV purchases. Um, most, uh, as you point out, most of the countries are, are uh, down 20% on last year's car sales and their electric vehicle sales up 40-50%. Um, if you compare to 2019, they're down over 30% on car sales and their electric vehicles are up several hundred percent. So uh, it, it's it, that's, that's the pattern we're expecting. We were shocked when it's not true in Italy. We'll keep an eye on it um, and, and report as we go. Um, later this year, Connor's going to be doing a, uh, a revisit to our car forecast just to take into account uh, things like the cost of energy, the cost of fuel and 
changing uh, habits uh, in places like Italy just to make sure that um, our forecast is bang up to date. We don't expect it to be a huge change in uh, in the numbers, though. Um, Andres, uh, power cuts all over China. What's 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 going on? Oh, yeah, I just thought it would be nice to really dig into uh, what, what exactly the shape of the Sichuan uh, power shortage issue is. Uh, as probably most people listening to this have already heard, there's a heat wave in China, and we, you know, we already covered it last week, that um, there's half the usual amount of rainfall in Sichuan, or maybe that wasn't the figure, maybe it was only half the amount of um, built-up water in their hydropower reservoirs. And Sichuan you can kind of think of as the Norway of China in terms of hydropower its exports to the rest of China have been huge. It had so much power. In fact, I was just reading about it today, um, that for a long period, it built so much hydropower that it ended up having to just let water flow through it without generating. It had more than it could use. It was um, you know, letting one gigawatt's worth of water flow through without generating at any given moment for, for some period. Um, in 2021, it exported about 14 gigawatts at any given time. 14, I should say, a bit more clearly. Um, but now it's flipped, of course, because it's consuming a lot of power for aircon. Um, after the lockdowns in China this year ended, they had an ec- economic resurgence, V-shaped recovery. Um, you know, and now they don't have hydropower, which is the main thing in that province. And they've spent the past few years um, incentivizing a lot of power-intensive industries, such as polysilicon uh, and semiconductors and um, battery and EV-related stuff. So now they, they've got a crunch. Um, it does look like, if you look at the weather forecasts, let me just pull it up. I mean, in the early days of September, it'll already be back down to 21 degrees and it'll even be raining. So I think that'll. I think the power shortage will end in a bit. Um, When's the typhoon season start? It's, it's, it's normally September. It may yeah, I think I, I saw that word used, typhoon, yes. Uh, Precisely. I don't know why they use typhoon and the Americans use hurricane, but uh, mm. I think they are slightly different experiences, but they usually involve a lot of rain. And I, I haven't been looking at the price of uh, lithium carbonate because I'm the solar writer, not the battery writer. Um, but what I did for this for this article, it's quite remarkable how it, it sort of looks like the polysilicon price curve, where it's a shortage-driven price increase, uh, supply and demand mismatch, and it goes up and then it hits a plateau, which I assume, like polysilicon, is... is um, it can't, it can't really rise much more because it's at the threshold where people can't afford to actually buy it and use it anymore. Is that about correct? Yeah, but why have you brought up lithium? Oh, because you know, along with polysilicon, to some extent, there's lithium as well in Sichuan. And so something to keep an eye out for both of those is how much does this uh, shortage push their prices up? And it seems to only be 1% or 2%, but probably it's a very significant 1% or 2% because it's already at the threshold of financial uh, viability to, to purchase it. See, that's a really interesting thing. I mean, the, 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 um, uh, something we haven't really mentioned or gone into a lot of detail this week is the um, Inflation Reduction um, uh, Act. What's it called? Act, yeah. The IRA, as everyone's calling it, having forgotten the Irish conflict. Um, but the IRA. Um, and, and suddenly... People are starting to look at the text and and people like Volkswagen and Mercedes have had to suddenly descend upon uh, uh, America and look for a place to build more battery and 
to Canada and look for sources of raw materials for those batteries because the rules um, go, stretching out past 2023, 2024 are the X percentage uh, rising slowly until t- in 2028 is 100% of cars that get the, um, the, the subsidies from uh, the Biden plan um, will have to have their raw materials from either America or its free trade allies, which really uh, amounts to Mexico and Canada. So suddenly, uh, lithium deposits that have been uneconomic in Canada will be um, will be dug up, and they will be effective. And what's that going to do to the lithium price? Um, it's it's gonna, there's going to be obviously we need masses of sources of lithium five or six times what's being mined today and all the other things that go with batteries manganese cobalt all, all of the other um, cathode materials but um, suddenly they've got to come from America or or its pals and that doesn't include Europe and that doesn't include and and it's verboten if it comes from uh, Russia or, or China so that act alone is going to change the supply chains for all the car companies that want to sell in America, all the battery companies that want to supply them. Um, and that will affect uh, lithium price. So there is there is an all-out economic war going, uh, That's and the front of it is this, um, this IRA Act, which is targeted uh, fairly and squarely, the way it's framed, at China. I feel as if Europe's been caught in a crossfire a little bit. <laughs> For the last 50 or 60 years since the Second World War. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You, you can pay us or pay them, but you have to pay if you're Europe. Um, that, that is the case. Um, we're very cosy in Europe. We don't like mines. We don't like fracking. We don't like things done on our, in our backyard. We don't even like wind farms in, in the neighbourhood. Uh, as long as it doesn't happen to us, that, that implies a growth rate of, uh, a GDP growth rate of under 2% and paying through the nose to every other, everybody else in the world. And that's basically a Russian, uh, a European malaise. And that's been going all my, all my life and I'm old. I remember reading about lithium deposits within Europe, and unfortunately, I believe they were in the Ukraine. No, I, I, I'm I'm sure uh, parts of Central uh, Asia, you know, Ukraine and uh, surrounding countries that are not Russia, uh, will be a, will will definitely be uh, uh, fertile ground for mining uh, in the next uh, twenty or thirty years. But so, so I mean, so is Latin America. I mean, Latin America, um, so is places like Indonesia. You know, they, all of these places have uh, one, even India, they, they have one of the many chemicals which go into um, cathode materials and batteries or which go into solar panels or which go into, uh, which are the core materials in, in, uh, in, in electrolytes in, in batteries. And that's, and that's, they're all going to, ha- all of that stuff's got to come to the fore. The prices will go up. Not enough to destroy the value of, of of the battery revolution, but they will go up to increase the areas which are economic to mine. And and any mining uh, representative on the planet should be getting in contact with uh, the Teslas of this world and say, "What do you want next?" Um, if you actually look at the um, the um, uh, IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, listed are something like uh, 40 elements and 20 
um, uh, compounds, um, which are not allowed to come from uh, China or Russia, and which have to come from uh, this, uh, from Friends of America, if you want to build something which is going to be subsidised by the American government. Now, I don't know if that breaches um, WTO rules, probably does, but uh, since America wrote most of the WTO rules, um, they seem to feel, uh, like Germany does in uh, European issues, uh, they don't apply to them. Um, that, that's going to be a, the next battleground. And I tell you, that's what's going to affect prices on a day-to-day basis for our customers. And that's what we've got to follow aggressively over the coming months and years to make sure that uh, all of our customers can steer a way through uh, supply and demand as it changes in all of the renewable markets. Uh, And on that note, bombshell, I think um, that's probably enough for yet another uh, edition of the... um, of the weekly podcast i've been doing all the talking again as usual um but if you want to read these stories you go to www.rethinkresearch.biz you click the button marked energy uh, and you can read um the stories uh in the weekly issue for free if you want any of the research i'm afraid that's how we make our money Uh, and if you need to know what you can get that for you can email simon at rethinkresearch.biz and he'll talk you through how to subscribe to our services thank you very much